You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. You know the drill here. We are watching movies made, films even, if you will, made between the years of 1945 and 1965 in the old US of A, and we are using those films as windows into the past. We open these windows up, we climb through them, and we poke around in the world beyond. And while we do that, we are asking some critical questions, such as, who are these people? What are their habits? What decisions are they making and why? Also, how are they treating one another? Also, also, and arguably most important of all, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And at the end of our adventure through the window of time, we will come back, we will report to you and give our final assessment and answer the final vital question, which is, and this is on behalf of all of humanity, this is society in the 21st century. Hey, this movie that we just explored, we just poked around it. We're going to keep watching this? We're going to hang on to this one? We're going to hold on and keep it in our pocket and pass it on to the next generation and their, their next generation and on and on and on? Is there anything we can take away of value from this? Or do we just cast it aside and kind of leave it behind in the wake, if you will? A little debris, a little bit of jetsam, time jetsam. That sounds exciting. Time Jetson. Cool. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my panel of incredible international experts at being human in the early 21st century. They are also the smartest people that I know. Starting on my left as ever, welcome back to the table, Catherine Sherlock. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Lovely to see you. Thanks for having me back. Of course, of course. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, I mean, we've done it without you, but we're glad we would rather do it with you. We'd rather do it with you. Sitting to your left, as ever, Trishma Nike. Hey, Trishy Boo. Hey, guys. What's up? They're answering right now. I just wanted to give them a second to answer you. Right. I think they're responding to the fact that I just tolerate. They've held up, <laughs> staring with their pod eyes at their pod, in our pod eyes, and right. they're answering with their pod mouths or potty mouths. Potty mouths. Potty mouths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got there. Okay. <laughs> a little walk, but we got there. Sitting to your left and also across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, sis. Hey there. Welcome. Welcome back to this train wreck of an intro. Glad to bring you in. Glad to rope you into this. Oh, I'm here for it, but I got to call you out on something. Oh, oh, okay. Already? As the host, I don't know if my other co-hosts here noticed, but this film is, you're stretching... The uh, boundaries know, of time and or space. You know, so you know, hey, you know. We it's are set talking. In 1941, it came out in 1957. I am aware, and I considered, I weighed it. I'd seen this movie before, assigning it to you as your time homework, and I made a call. I made a judgment call, and I feel like it is still relevant today. Or, well, it's relevant today, by which I mean 1957 when it came out. I feel like really okay. So. Like you say, Carolyn, this starts pre-war. Therefore, it is very relevant to the war conversation. Now, of course, last week we watched The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, which is defined by the war, very much mm-hmm. so. 
And this week, of course, we are doing our deep dive into kids of the time, kids of the era, which technically uh, it would be not contemporary 1950. It's not contemporaneous to the time. It is a period piece it, of 1941. You're right. You are absolutely right. Shame on me. But also, <laughs> it's my I mean, fucking I show. It, I'll do what I like. want. Uh, but but do you really think? Now, one of the reasons why I gave this a pass, right? The rare exception to the rule that I myself laid down. It's my it's my own fault. You're just putting rules there to break them. Exactly. Well, you know me. You know how I like it. Uh, but <laughs> but do you feel like there is a, there was a big difference between teens of the 1950s versus teens of the 1940s? Because I feel like the teens we're seeing, while they're supposed to be yeah. of the 1940s, could very well, very easily slip into the 1950s. Am I wrong here? You don't think so? I think that these teens in this film were drafted into World War II, where yeah. a 1957 teenager is not being drafted into World I, War II. I totally agree with that. Th those are the practical facts of the scenario, but it is teens playing teens in 1957 playing 1941. I just feel yeah. like we're seeing just as much of a, a reflection of teens of the time. You know, this is the same thing as like, well, why did Marilyn Monroe kiss Tom Ewell? It's like, well, because a, a, a middle-aged white man wrote this movie, of course. The same thing. Uh, same principle is in effect here. Well, you know, why do these teens seem like 1950s teens? Well, they are. They're 1950s teens playing 40s teens. Well, they, they look like not teens. Mm. Well, they do. First of all. Great point. <laughs> yeah. They oh, look this, quite adult. I mean... <laughs> But, you know, sure. We're talking about Peyton Place, by the way. We didn't even say the name of the movie. But this was made in 1957. Now, Carolyn, you said you had something to say before we got into one-line reviews. Was it you calling me out of my bullshit right now? Yes, That's what it is? Okay, great. It. Well done. Well done. <laughs> now, Carolyn, do you feel like this is still a relevant film to the conversation that we've been having low these 15 weeks or so at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really happy you assigned it. I'm not mad about it. Okay, I just okay. wanted to point out. You would call me out of my bullshit. I get it. It's cool. Right. <laughs> you're, you're very right to do so. Peyton Place, 1957. We are talking two hours and 37 minutes of hardcore melodrama, everybody. Let's break it down piece by piece. Catherine, do you have a one-line review of Peyton Place? Yes, I do. Sentimental small town hopes and dreams, a microcosm of the great American fiction. That's really well spoken. Totally accurate. Mm -hmm. Hey, Shrishy Boo. Yes. Over there rocking our social accounts. <laughs> if you notice more activity recently on the socials, it's because Trishma's in charge. She got the password. In charge. And uh, we I also I like being in charge. Yeah, I know you like it. You're you're pretty good at it too. You're you're administrating the hell out of the socials. Um, any like you know, we'll have to like do little videos eventually, and yeah, you know, like I think so. I think that's I think that's on the list of things to do. Hey, great news by the way. Sorry to interrupt one line reviews. I know you were all waiting with bated breath, but great news for you, the listener. Our YouTube account has been reinstated. Our appeal was granted, Ooh. and we are now back on YouTube. You can find the full free episodes there, and we're going to be doing some clips on there too eventually. But for right now, you can go. Well, you listen to the shows there if that's where you listen to your things you listen to. Just a little uh, catch catch me up from, I think Hilda Crane was when we got shut down there. Mm. But we're back in business, baby. All right. Number one. 
Also, follow us on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. It helps us be found. And we, you know, we we would like to be found. We it's, would. We're so lost. We have Fine. so much to say and, you know, so much for everyone to hear. We just need an audience, right? <laughs> hey, Shrishma. And you yes. need to hear it. That's, that's we'll right. say some pretty fun stuff. We do, occasionally. And insightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a one-line review mm-hmm. of Peyton Place, by the way? I tried. <laughs> Is that the review? I tried? Actually, that would be a good review. Yeah. Um. So I said, it's a good attempt for a movie of the 1950s and that era um, to show like women's agency when it came to like sex and stuff, mm-hmm. but still limited by the patriarchy. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. But you do feel like there was some. There was, you know, there was. progressive. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Exactly. Which when we come to the next topic of conversation. Yeah. Um, we'll get into. (laughs) We're all sitting on the edge of our seats here. (laughs) Sister of mine. Yeah. Girl in Alros. Do you have a one-line review of Peyton Place, by the way? Oh, yeah. Is that it? Small town. Oh, yeah? No. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Oh, you just, you cut into it. (laughs) (laughs) You you talked right into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Want to no. try that again? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> you gonna set me up? You gonna lob one this way? So oh, you want? Oh, you want a, a proper edit point? <laughs> okay. Hey, Carolyn. I'm holding you accountable. <laughs> hey, hey, Carolyn. Sorry. Hey, yeah. Carolyn. <laughs> hey, Carolyn. Do you have a one-line review of Peyton Place? I do. What is it? Small town. With big drama. Oh, I, I can see that on the, the poster. Yeah. That's a good one. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, we I, just. Maybe I stole it from the poster. We no. just, <laughs> <laughs> now, we just pretended to do a real great edit there of your one-line review. But ironically, my one-liner is, oh, yeah. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it is basically, the essence is, is this a prequel to Hilda Crane? Question mark. New York City looming large. Is this the same house as Hilda? Carolyn, we're gonna get the there. Interior. I did a okay. forensic fucking deep dive <laughs> on this last night. Yes. They have all the pictures. We're gonna talk Which about it. Which we also <laughs> just saw in Man in the Gray Flannel Suit. Man this in the Gray Flannel Suit. Three in like, a row. Let's just put it There's some also in some research that I I, I did. Yeah. We learned, like, we can get, get to it. It could be the same house. Oh. There were some clues that I also Okay. Just because the only time, guys, that I have done research, watched the movie, and I have things to say. Shrishma was in our group chat today, uh, throwing us a bunch of like links to articles. And <laughs> I'm like, who is this? You got a whole like Shrishma's Shrishma phone. Did her research. Hey, did you this. watch? Did you watch this movie? By the this way, is Shrishma on vacation. Yeah. Oh, Shrishma's got some free time. She's got some idle time. Great. I love it. And this is why we need you to join us on the Patreon so we can just do this full time. We'll, we'll all be a little less grumpy and have more time for more great research. Absolutely. You know us. We're, we're known for our, famously known for our shallow Googles. But, but Trishma, you sent us Trishma. an article. Do you want to talk about it now or do you want to wait? We can talk about it now. What is this, what is this research you've been doing? You've been, you've been in the, the library of the internet, pulling down big old tomes and dusting them off and taking notes very diligently. So, Why not? I learned that this movie is based off a book, um, and this book mm-hmm. was written by this um, lady. Mm-hmm. Just give me one second. <clears throat> Forgot her name. 
<laughs> Grace. Grace. Under fire. Metalios. Uh, is that how you say it? Okay. Grace yeah, Metalios. It's, it's Greek. Okay. Yeah. Grace Metalios. Mm-hmm. And she was a housewife okay. at the time. And when this book came out, it was it was one of the first pieces of like sex romance literature. And it was based on this, the town that she lived in. So she was pulled from stories that, you know, people have told her and then that she's experienced. Okay. Um, and it ca- and she released the book. Or, and there's a story about how the book came to be released where, like, it wasn't accepted and then someone read it and then, you know, they released the book. Okay. And then she, you know, she got all of this money and I think she got a little bit, you know, like, I don't know how you want to describe. She made it like cocky with her money, so she was spending it. Blah, she was blah, behaving blah. like nouveau riche, right? Nouveau riche, yeah. and then she sold the rights for the book at a really cheap price. Oh, um, big mistake! And then, big mistake. and then, IP is everything. Yeah, and so they ended up making this movie, which turned out turns out was a very watered down wor- version of what she wrote. Um, the book is hotter than this, right? Yeah. And it was full of like um, sex, like a lot of like sex scenes and okay. like writing about that, which at the time was you know quite um, novel. Like no one had ever released a book like this, so yeah. apparently, like it became all the rage where people used to hide and read the book because it was like a sex book. Sure, sure. It um, was like the Fifty Shades of Grey, right, of the time of of, of this time, and it came out in 1956, so the Correct. year before the movie was released. Oh, okay, that was my next question: was yeah. when did it come out? Okay, 56, and it was mm-hmm. partially based on a true story. So she also pissed off some people in mm-hmm. her local town in New Hampshire because yeah. the whole like, you know, plot. Plot spoiler here, but the whole murder part was mm-hmm. based on a true, true story. story. Uh, um, is there like it, a parallel with the character of Anne here? Because she be- wanted to become a writer. I know we're going to get into yes. this. Yeah, and Alison. you know, and she, yeah, oh, Alison. I couldn't remember who was in a right beginning. And she, yes. yeah, she's so she wrote a whole bunch of stories that were based. You know, yeah, and, exactly, and yeah. when the teacher read it, that read them, ex- yeah, exactly. He was he like, "Well, too raunchy for." Well, it was not. He didn't say raunchy, but it was like, "I, I know who I everybody's." Know right. yeah, yeah, you're basing you're basing it on okay. the, this town. Exactly. So this is somebody we should maybe look into. Right. We should I, I, look, you know, we, we advise should, the audience to to exactly, read up on like, and and if anything, like a her. tribute to Grace, however you say her last. Yeah. Ah. Because I mean, I, I know I want to look at this. She's great. Yeah, Metalius. Okay. I mean, because this it's old movie time machine. There are four women yeah, on this Metalius. panel of five. Uh, Brindis, by the way, she's still charging that that company credit card. I don't know what she's doing. I saw uh, she had some charge at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, which is bizarre to me because number one, I believe that museum is public. There is no charge to enter. Number two, she's not into the idea of space. So I don't even know what she's doing there unless she's really into the right flyer or something like that. But who really knows? Number three, if this is a gift shop purchase, I trust that there are gifts for all of us. Mm. With the amount that was billed onto the card at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, there's enough for all of us to at least have one hooded sweatshirt from there. So I will be expecting that. But anyway, this is a panel of mostly women. And I think. You know, this is a a pro lady show for all the talking that I do, mm. right? And and by the way, we can overthrow the patriarchy whenever you want to. I will be your ally. I'm right there for you. Do you want to do it right now? Do you yes. want to take over yes. the Let's show? Go. No, let's do. It. I think you're doing <laughs> a great job. 
You'll uh, allow it. In, uh, yes. Okay. This one time. Perfect. Well, I will. I don't know about the other ladies. <laughs> so maybe this is part of our quest, though, is to find some of these hidden figures, if right. you will. Absolutely. And shine a little podcast light on them. So what's her name? <laughs> Carolyn. Grace Metallius. Grace Metallius. We salute Hello. what we know about you. Yes. Okay. Well, it's Ooh. Peyton Place. It's 1957. Good. Or is it? Mm. No, it's not. Let's, Let's talk New England farms list, because yeah. this opening scene. I'm gonna is I'm like, gonna share my screen here. It's we're at, like we're, a song to my heart. We're at Peyton Place. We're seeing this coastal bay. Carol, I'm gonna give you all the room you need. I just wanted to cover one oh thing first in these opening yeah. titles. We're getting Jerry Wald's production of Peyton Place. And the thing about these opening credits, here's what I like. We're getting the names of the actors, but we're also getting the names of the characters that they play. And mm -hmm. I appreciate the brutal efficiency of this because now I've already got a clue as to what's going on. It takes that part of the equation of uh, the the orienting yourself within the world that we're, we're passing into through the window here where it's like, okay, uh, this is a person. What's their name? You know, we've had these films where it's like 45 minutes and I'm like, I don't even know the main character's name. I don't know what this guy's name is. It's just fucking Bobby Darren. So, Carolyn, what, what are we seeing here when we're watching these credits with the amazing character names added? I think everybody should be doing If we're going to do big, dumb, long credit sequences, put the character's name in there. Save me some time. Yeah, might as well. Go. So, we are seeing amazing uh, aerial pastoral views of New England farms. Mm -hmm. This one under uh, Lucas Cross. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The barn, the multi-level red barn with the cupola and the two grain silos this looks is like a larger house. than the gorgeous yeah. white farmhouse. <laughs> That is also there. I'm moving in. I'm I'm buying them all. This Just looks like the barn oh, looks like if landscape. Mount Vernon and the castle right. had a baby. This is what it would look like. Right. <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, and then there's just like the mountains and then the ocean. I think this was filmed oh. in Maine, by the way. Is it? Oh, I, mean, I, I was going to ask which, I mean, it seems very Maine-ish. The, the accents were yeah. certainly veering towards Maine. Pepperidge Farm remembers and all this. And we're seeing these I mean, gorgeous, uh, it's, it's uh, leaf peeping season here. Mm, it's, yeah, uh, it's very pretty. We're, we're in the, the color change season where it's still mostly green, but we're seeing explosions of oranges, yeah. reds, and yellows. Yeah, it's, it's definitely right. really, really gorgeous country. Yeah. This is, a, this is it's America. A, it's a fat land. It Any, certainly anything is. Anything would grow oh, here. It's, <laughs> it's arable and <laughs> robust. Carolyn, do you have anything else to, to share I mean, to guide? Just, there were so many great shots of beautiful farms with like New England mountains in the background. And, you know, it's I mean, lush. This, this scenery in this film was beautiful. The town itself was so picturesque. I mean, they, they did a great yeah. job picking yes. real exteriors that I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's supposed to be set in like New Hampshire, but I believe this was all filmed in Maine when I looked it up. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I agree. You're speaking my language here as we've talked about this before, but if right. we go on location, that's really what I want to see because this is what it was actually like. All of these films are of course, fantasies uh, projected by the people who make them. So they are a little <laughs> bit uh, exaggerated. There are we, we can't take that. This is not a documentary. Obviously, this is a very crafted narrative here. And and the world with, you know, around that narrative is also just as crafted. But when we go out onto the street, I mean, you can't hide what is happening on a street side, as we're seeing here, as this old 40s car pulls up. 
in this mm-hmm. sleepy New England town here. This is prototypical New England white America right here. This is the But remember in this sequence as we're following, you know, this male character, we don't know who he is. As you know, he stops to ask a farmer. We've gone through all these beautiful aerial farm oh my shots, God. and then he I'm so glad you brought it the up. Car, yeah. Asks the farmer, "How do I get to Peyton Place?" And the farmer's like, "Oh, two miles up the road, bloop bloop boo." And he's got like his Clydesdale. I mean, a minute into the movie, there's a Clydesdale plowing a fle- field, and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> yes. That, that, that whatever patois that farmer was speaking in, it was a different language. It was. It wasn't. It was American. just. Hey, Mister, which way to Peyton Place? You go right up this road about two miles and you'll come right in center town. Thanks. And the guy's like, <laughs> no yeah, uh, all righty. Well, I'll just keep driving in this direction then. Here I go. There's something about two miles up the road and that okay. was about all I understood. Oh, you speak but farmer. As okay. he's, yeah, he's driving. Remember, he stops at the train tracks and on the other side of the train tracks. Yes. There's the shack where we, that's mm-hmm. where our first introduction mm-hmm. to the Cross family is mm-hmm. before he pulls into the picturesque you know, he crossed, he crossed over to the wrong side of the tracks, quite quite literally. But even in these opening yes. scenes, like you could get a sense of um, there was something something going Absolutely. on underneath. There's a real, real class divide. Yeah, like um, it looked really pretty and all the scenes were really nice, but mm-hmm. you could tell like something was yeah. not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with it all. And, you know, the U.S. is not known in the same way that, say, the U.K. is for class issues or whatever. It's not the primary issue. Race is the primary issue of the United States. It's the burden the country bears, right? This is certainly pre-war. We are still coming out of, at this point, Great Depression times. Right. There, There is a, a considerable gap amongst the wealthy of the Gilded Ages of the late 19th century. We're still coming out of that, too. And we, mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. seen this debris in these grand old mid-century grandma houses that we've seen in these films where it's like, clearly, you know, this is the old shit. This is the, the old way. And then the new stuff is the sleek mid-century modern thing. But we're seeing the, the wreckage of those times. And we see it illustrated here, as, as you guys have been pointing out. Those shacks are pretty rough. Yeah. You know, I was really terrified for a second. Maybe just cut this out, but I'm going to say <laughs> Oh, boy. All righty. <laughs> Like when they showed the shack and they showed the people coming out, I was like, "These they're, they're not having black people walk out of the shanty." You know, I thought exactly. I was the like, same my heart thing. literally stopped. I was like, I was like, no, that, okay, it's so th- they're, re- they're really setting that. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you. I fully expected yeah, that. I'm with you too. We are not cutting um, that out for I'm, anyone. I'm, We're keeping I'm that in. Like, oh, white people. Yeah, I was like, okay, was, okay, right, but the right. context, the context oh. would have been. New England, not right. south of the Mason-Dixon. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the only exception. So right. rather than this is where we keep black people, more white people in the south. Exactly, but, but it, and yeah, they mix. They're they're forced to mix and mingle with white trash. Sorry about that, but yeah. So that's that's the scene that we're getting up here in uh, New Hampshire, Maine. Anyway, is some some dirty living conditions for some unfortunate people. And it is rather shocking, especially when you get into town here and you mm. see this beautiful town. Everything's sparkling. I mean, it, it looked to me, yeah. I mean, it felt like they actually washed streets because the streets are wet. Yeah. Quite a lot of scenes, like in the morning. Right. It's a like, lot of scenes. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. Maybe it rained. 
but it felt like nothing else was wet. It was like someone came and cleaned the streets. Purposefully hooked the hose up to the thing. And, yeah. yeah, right. They probably right. did. The fire department was probably like, all right, we got some Hollywood people coming in. We got we to wash down the streets. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, that could be. Out. That could be. Get those goddamn leaves out of the drains from leaf peepees. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the leaves are coming. Get the hose out. So this, as if we we could tell possibly from the context of the vehicle that we see this this man character driving. His name is Mr. Rossi, by the way. Let's just get that out of the way. He is he's new to town. Obviously, he's stopping to ask for directions from the bizarre farmer man. You go right up this road about two miles, and you'll come right in center town. But he is driving a very 1940s sedan, and we pass this old man who's picking up his newspaper, and what do we see? U.S. neutrality threatened, Roosevelt warns Hitler. And it is 1941. We are establishing our time and place. Mm-hmm. So the war is raging in Europe right now in 1941, but the U.S. is keeping out of it. For the time being, we are doing some things on the sly with the our UK brethren, a little lend-lease program. Here, have some of these bombs, some of these missiles, you know, whatever you guys need. And uh, we're doing a lot of uh, Hitler. No, no, no. You bet. You better watch yourself, Hitler, as as Europe did, only to find itself invaded. So, but we yes. also go to the Mackenzie House where we meet Connie, played by Lana Turner, who is the mother of Allison. Allison. And we see that this is this is very much uh, the prototypical United States neighborhood, I guess, middle class, upper middle class neighborhood. And we have yet another missing father scenario, which we've seen multiple times in the films that we've watched so far. We saw it in Leave Her to Heaven, drove Ellen to murder in that film. We saw this recently with Hilda Crane. And this is a very Hilda Crane-ish scenario as well, because we also have another portrait of dear departed dad sitting on a fireplace mantle, and we just really miss dad, and it's impacted everything this woman's life. And who was she in Hilda Crane? Oh, she wasn't. No, no, this no, is just, just, but this was the same deal in Hilda Crane, was yeah. uh, was that right. Hilda's dad was, was dead, and she missed him, and it was impacting her a lot. So apparently, like, when they were filming the movie, yeah. she didn't want to go to location. Lana Turner, Lana did Turner. Oh, so okay. she. Want, I guess that's why I would say maybe it is the same house as all the other movies because they did all her scenes mm. in some back lot. Okay. Like now, now is is now the time to talk Hilda Crane's house? We are in the purgatory. We're in the purgatory of Hilda Crane's house. This is three movies in a row, all made within a year of one another. And we talked they about have to be using the same set. It's absolutely the same set. Yeah. Now, here's what I've I've noticed because I was going back. I actually re-downloaded Hilda Crane and Man in the Gray Flannel Suit to get better stills of this. Now, this kitchen is different. We they, they've made some adjustments to the set to their credit, and I was wondering why. It seems like that seems like a, a lot of money when you could just kind of redress it with different props or whatever. The reason they did so, if you look at this front door in Hilda Crane's house, it actually right. has hers has a window, and there are no side windows here. This was changed, though, to match up with later, we see the actual on-location house, and it has this kind of door. So they fixed that to adjust it. But by and large, this is, I noticed these panels, these panel doors, right? And also this fireplace back here. Let's go to Hilda Crane's house. There it is. Oh, cool. It is identical. Is that window still there? Uh, the, so the window is different. Now, this was also another issue of we need to match up with the real house. 
So in the room that we're looking at now in Hilda Crane, there is one window facing the other direction, you know, like that would be the yep. front of the house. 90 degrees to the one we see. Yeah. Right. But there would be two windows in the on-location house for Peyton Place. So mm -hmm. then they, they make two and they move that window over, basically, and that becomes wall. Mm -hmm. And I think they may have actually blown out, pushed this out a little bit more for Peyton Place, if I'm not mistaken. It seems slightly more spacious. Yeah. I it, Well, I thought it was the light. It looked... Um... Uh, much lighter because uh, I, I got the same kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. It's the same paneling. Yeah, same same paneling. They, they've just painted it white. And I was questioning whether or not, like, is like, is it the same? How like is it maybe just the same design, but like the very distinctive non mantelpiece here, and yeah. then the brickwork around the fireplace. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's the same set. Yes. Well, also when we get to it's the even scene the same in Allison's yeah. bedroom, <laughs> it's like the same bedroom that we saw in both uh, Hilda Crane and the, gray, the Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, except oh, for yeah. it was re-wallpapered, and I think that they moved a door. I think they just shot it. Okay, let's. I have that scene pulled up as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me show you. This is Man in the Gray Flannel Suit. So we we reckon this they didn't even change the wallpaper. They didn't change and the, the wallpaper. The door is to the right hand side of the screen versus where the cat portrait is is where the door is now in. Oh, no, this see, movie. I just thought that they had repositioned the camera. Hold on. I don't think so. Okay, hold on. We'll get to the bottom of it. Now, are you sure that they re re wallpapered this? This looks like the. Oh, I guess they yeah, did. Yeah, they I did. Think that they, they did. Re pink, the and the other one, one is some sort of like rose. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. more of a checkered pattern, but they're but then very clearly back out. Oh, something's Oops. crashing. Oh, <laughs> too many Hilda no. Crane pictures. <laughs> Just saying, they move the door. Okay, so we actually had to take a show break so we could investigate the Hilda Crane house conundrum, <laughs> and we now have three different pictures of Hilda Crane's bedroom. And it is in my mind and in my heart, this is Hilda Crane's house. This is not Gregory Peck's house and Man in Gray Flannel Suit. And it's certainly not the, uh, it's not Connie and Allison's house. It is Hilda Crane's house. So they are in her bedroom at this point. Now, yes, Carolyn, you are absolutely correct. There, is, there has been a door put in where the cat portrait existed in Man in Gray Flannel Suit. Catherine seems to think that maybe they kept the original entrance door, added this one because they needed the walk-in closet later in the film when they find mm -hmm. Nellie's hanging suicide body. Is that correct? Right. Is that correct? And, and you, I don't remember where they go to in the context of this room to find Nellie. Well, I dead. feel like they came in through the main door. That's the main door in all three here. Okay. Okay. And then turned right. And then this one is the, Which the closet. Which would be towards oh, where that um, Caroline is uh, correctly spied a door in the back there. Yes. So it is just, it's been really amusing and kind of comforting to run into these spaces. The last three movies we've watched where and and as Catherine and I were just talking about, it's on one hand, it's it's sort of lazy. It's like, all right, guys, I mean, we build us a new set here or what? I mean, these are all melodramas made within a year of each other. Like if you saw one, you probably saw the other two, I would imagine. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. the great pains have been taken to decorate them in different ways each time we see them. And they get a fresh coat of paint and they get some different roughly lampshades and other 
chic grandma. It's not wasteful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes total sense from a budgetary standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, we have we need a house where a bunch of middle class white people can live. Uh, yeah, we've got one of those. It's Hilda Crane's house. But put, do do your movie in there, and they do. And and like we say in the living room, they they certainly moved around some uh, some of the windows. So this is Hilda Crane's version here. Which and yes, Catherine, mm-hmm. I see now what you're saying about the you know the, the double front window. It's much mm-hmm. airier, much more spacious, and we do have more more chairs and bookshelves in Hilda Crane's version of this house. It's very cluttered. Yeah, as opposed to when we see it where it's more open here. Plenty of room mm-hmm. in the Peyton Place version of this living room for teens to dance and neck. Ooh. So hey, stay tuned for that, everybody. <laughs> But this is where Hilda Crane's dead dad would sit with his pipe collection over here. And anyway, I think the point has been made. This is Hilda Crane's house yet again. And I hope we see it yet again. But I also hope that we can leave here because it is purgatory. So continuing on. And here's the other thing to take note of in these houses is this. These late 18th century silhouette pieces of art. Again, previously mentioned a lot of wall in these movies right we got to put some shit on these walls Mm -hmm. so we see a lot of just like random paintings of multiple sizes and things like this ovular framed silhouettes of people from colonial times hanging on the wall we also see this in hilda crane i think this is kind of one of them, but this is more of like an ivory thing. But there, if you if we looked at the opposite wall, we would see the same thing. And then, of course, we see them in one of the bedrooms as well. In yes, so we have the same thing up here in this bedroom, but we have little porcelain dancing ladies in Hilda Crane's version. It's just a lot of shit, right? Like we got the space. Can you buy go out and buy me ten framed things that I can? to fill the space in my house you could be looking at the same movie across all three shots that yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> right right the lighting design is slightly different for man in gray flannel suit but not outrageously so i mean it's a little warmer you know maybe it's a different uh type of kodak or whatever to shoot it but it's all the same shit at least the girls have a have a cat painting <laughs> Hey everybody, yep, that's right, it's me, back interrupting the show in the middle as we do so I can talk to you about some of the things that we sell. No, 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 actually today, I'm going to give you a different call to action today. Normally we talk about the t-shirts, the mugs, the magnets, the stickers, the boom room, the Patreon, the paywall, join us $2 a month. But this week, we're going to be talking about you and what you can do to help this program that you are listening to right now. What I would like you to do is give us a five-star review. It's a very simple process. Whatever platform you're listening to this on right now, you just have to go to the show page, Old Movie Time Machine, you know, whatever the main page is on whichever platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or CastBox, BoxCast, ArmCast, whatever go there. These are all a little bit different, you guys, but if you scroll to the bottom of the show page, you usually get a chance to leave a rating and a review. Now, look, we don't need your review necessarily, but it would be nice to hear what you guys have to say about the program. And if you love it, please let the world know so they can love it too. But at the very least, what we'd like you to do is just tap that five-star rating for us right now, if you could, please. I'll give you a second here. That's right. Give us five stars. And if you do, I will thank you as I will right now in advance. Thank you. And now back to the show. 
This is also the time where Connie finds out about the skinny dipping rumors that are just burning through town. She's outraged. Uh, Allison comes home and they have a big argument. And this is where Allison finds out the truth about dad. And what is that truth, Trishma? Do you know? That um, her mom has told her that um, uh, her dad passed away when she was younger. Mm -hmm. Turns out um, father was not actually married to her mother. Uh He was a married man, Mm -hmm. somebody else. They had an affair. Mm -hmm. And so she was embarrassed. So she kind of made up the whole story. And this is where, you know, back to the point about, is this a Hilda Crane prequel? We find out that Connie had run away to New York City, big, scary New York City, the Mm -hmm. epicenter of all things of this era, center of the world, right? New York City just Mm -hmm. represents so many things, the opposite of what we're seeing at Peyton Place. And this is what happens. She gets swept up into sex and deceit. Right. Think about that, country. And talking about the the sex thing, hadn't the Cross family um, drama Mm -hmm. had to peak? Because yeah. Nellie Cross had overheard the conversation about Lucas. Yes, perving on yeah, her. Well, yes. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, getting her pregnant. Yes, yes. She hears all of that. Yes. And so she is really kind of Lady Macbething it, sort of mumbling and, you know, just really like, losing it. Yeah, really losing her mind over this this trauma her daughter has experienced through her husband, uh, mm-hmm. which, which uh, by the way, Connie does not handle very well at all. Like there's a. Yeah. I think her line is something along the way, like, we've all got problems or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah, just, just like dismisses it, it off, yeah. flicks her cigarette and dismisses it entirely. Staring at her and thinking, oh, Nellie, we all have our problems. Which will come back to haunt her because at this point, Allison and Connie go upstairs to find Nellie hanging in the mm, bedroom the closet. closet. Slash Hilda Crane's Hilda bedroom Crane's closet. Bedroom. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, again, we're back in the purgatory of Hilda Crane's house. Will we ever leave this house? Although I'm not Who's sure there say? was a closet in the. Um, maybe. Well, no, maybe this is it's specially designed um, retrofit closet. Tom for, Rath's children in the man in the gray flannel suit were so obsessed with death was because Nellie was. <laughs> the, the ghost of Nellie was haunting their. suicide. So I think that was 1956. So that would have been before this yeah but just barely just barely uh, at this point rodney and betty yeah they they elope and dad is pissed off about it and there's this whole conversation about you know you could come work for the mill and, and that was like a very like i have a wife to support now yeah they well, did. here let me give you a job sort that out well fine i will take that job father and then they shake hands and and that they, was it. <laughs> it's a real broy man it out type of thing but all of this, all of this drama, and I think we can all agree that this is uh, just a big old heap of drama, acres of drama unfolding here. It's too much for Allison, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to move to New York City. I'm going to pursue my dreams, not unlike somebody in Nebraska named Hilda Crane. She, she doesn't say that. I, I added that part. Norton's message to heart, and she says, "I'm no one's going to give me what I want. I'm going to take it." Yes. Go get it, girl. Go do it. And she, well, she actually throws like quite a thing, uh, an insult at her mother. She said, like, Yeah, I'm going to go there and I'm going to live off some man like you did. Yeah. Oh, that is cold. Live off some men like you did. Yeah. Because mom's skeptical, of course, as moms will be. But we see, yeah, so this is the drama. And we see this Greyhound bus, beautiful Greyhound bus that she gets onto to go down to the big city. And Selena, her bestie, is there to send her off and runs after the bus waving and everything. But what a gorgeous bus, you guys. 
I hated riding the Greyhound. Me too. In America. Yeah, yeah. Where did you Greyhound from and to? Dallas to Austin, usually. Okay, how far is it? It was like a three hour. Oh, okay. And I hated every moment. I would go from New York to Lansing, Michigan. It's long. It's a long. It was like 14 hours. Did that many times. I got stuck in a blizzard one time, had to spend the night at the Greyhound station in Detroit. And I mean, just, just eating vending machine sandwiches at the Greyhound station. Uh, with a blizzard outside, I mean that's that's a low point. Let's let here. Time passes, right? And we go back to this running theme of seasons changing, and we're looking for that elusive fifth season, you guys. The season, season of love, of love. love, yes. And here, Pearl Harbor lands in a big way. We see a new form of smoking here that we like to enjoy. This is called Pearl Harbor newspaper. smoking. This is the editor reading <laughs> his yeah editor smoking. Yep, news smoking <laughs> while reading his Pearl Harbor headline. And we see the selective service here where all of the young men in town go to sign up. Yeah, so the war is on everybody and we see life in the village. We know now it's springtime post Pearl Harbor in December. Again, more the beautiful countryside. The barns are bigger than the churches. Yeah, the <laughs> barns have never been bigger, baby. And <laughs> we see it. that the, even the wall calendar at the village restaurant has changed. Uh, yes, to 1942, different, you know, we've got some war relief posters. Mr. Rossi is listening to the guy who runs the restaurant talk about his correspondence. Very interesting. Rumor has it, you guys, that Mr. Rossi is moving away. He's been offered a, a better principaling position at a bigger place. And he so now is we're at like Christmas time. Yeah. So we go to his bachelor pad, his rockin' bachelor pad, and we see, Loving yeah, wintertime, Christmas. In. Uh, very good, big old ashtray right here. He's he's mm -hmm. smoking to beat the band. He's got a little soft pack there, and Connie shows up. And again, they've not been on good terms since they had their big blowout in her hallway. The summer of forty-one. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's like where a did, year and a half later? Right. Oh, I didn't get a shot of her red dress. She shows up in an amazing red dress that really pops in this one is a rather, rather gray bachelor pad here. She says that he was right about her avoiding love. And he's like, no, no, no. I was an asshole. I was out of line. Had no right to say those things. And she, she explains, doesn't she? Yeah, she confesses her Everything. love affair scenario at this point. Yeah. She's like, I got to be she honest. She wasn't married. Yeah. This is when she, we find out this happened in New York. Uh, and he accepts this side of her story and they embrace. So there's some reconciliation there as well. Then we see Christmas at Selena's house, which has been cleaned up considerably since Lucas, shitty Lucas, is gone. She's turned and this Mom house into a home. Herself. Yeah, it's been a rough year for the Cross family. And but she's making the best of it with brother Joey. But who should show up? But motherfucking Lucas. drunk Lucas, still drunk, now in the Navy. It's it's changed his character, not at all. It's made him worse, if anything. And he shows up, and of course, he starts going for her again. And he really blossomed a lot, a lot, even better than when I was perving on you before. And he goes after her, and she beats him to death. And this is pretty shocking. Mm. Pretty shocking material for this era. Yep. She ends up confessing to the murder to Connie. Who advises her to turn herself in? But it's months later. But yeah, it's it's yeah. she's been living with this for a long time. Yes, this was like you know this happened at Christmas. They bury his body. That's the whole thing. She and her little brother Joey in, in the sheep the pen. Mm. In the uh, sheep pen. Yeah. Doesn't she have Joey do it because she can't handle it? Is no, 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 no. Yes, it was jo Joey's is... idea. I thought. Oh, oh, That's okay. What comes out in the trial. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. 
And this was the part that's based on the true story, yeah. I guess, in this town where the author lived or some oh, town yeah. where she lived at some point was mm-hmm. that, but it was a father, not a stepfather, a father who had been abusing his daughter and she killed him and it was cold. It was winter. And the only place that was soft enough to bury the body was in the sheep pen. Oh, so. and then interesting. when she first, when the uh, Grace first wrote the book, she had put in father mm-hmm. and they made them mm-hmm. ch- made her change it to stepfather to make it more the editors habitable. Yeah. Okay. So it's less incestuous right. in a technical sense. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yes. Equally gross. So this is now this is the where the movie kind of goes, goes to. to a different this level, all, like different yeah, direction. This, <laughs> it's a different movie. It's all of a sudden and this is we've this seen is- We've seen this trend. It's a legal drama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this we're is how. Now back in Leave Her to Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> End your movie with a trial, everybody. A big old blowout show trial where we got a lot of people coming up in the stand, breaking down big emotional beats. It's an easy way to end your movie, I guess. Just take it to the courtroom, right? So everybody hears about. They did that in Bachelor in Paradise, too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. They yeah. did it in another one, yeah. too. That, uh, I can't remember yeah. which one. Was it? No, it was Written on the Wind. Was yeah, it written, written on, on the wind? Yes. The, the, yes. Yeah. The whole okay. Court scene, right? We had a couple. We've had a couple now. So this is like the fourth or fifth one we've seen, where it's like the whole last half hour of the movies in the courtroom. Oh, they're endless. They're fucking endless. They go on forever. So, like, us. but everybody, hey, we all love Selena, right? We and everybody in Peyton Place loves Selena too. They're shocked at this turn of events, but they know Lucas is a dick. So this is not terribly surprising, but nobody knows what to believe. And everybody comes back into town. So a lot of the guys who are overseas fighting the war are coming back to Peyton Place just as Allison is returning from New York to support her bestie during her time of need. And they all converge at this stunning nautical-themed bar at the, what is this place called? What's the White Hall Inn, it's called. What is this nautical bar and why didn't we see it earlier? That's what I want to know. Mm. I love yeah, clipper ships. Apparently there's a hotel in town. Yeah, okay. yeah. This is, they built this set for like two minutes of film. It's crazy. Why didn't you hit, just spend more time here? I like this place. I want to go to there. So Norman reconciles with Allison on the train. He's now become a man free of the burden of his, of Mrs. Bates and her Fruit seller lifestyle, mm-hmm. controlling him. And he seems pretty easy breezy. He's having a great time. And he is shocked, though, about the trial. Meanwhile, Selena gets out on bail. And she goes to Doc Swain and begs him not to tell the court about her incestuous pregnancy. Because it would just ruin her reputation. Although the murder is... Isn't she married? No. Is she that, married at this point? I think she's married. I think oh. They are actually married. Oh, okay. I I totally missed that. But so, I, I I mean, I only got that a bit just a little bit later on. Well, because he's he's in uniform as well, so he's mm-hmm. been in the war, but he's he shows up for the trial. But yeah, so, well, she, so possibly I might be wrong about that. She doesn't want her reputation yep. uh, bandied about. And, you know, adding this aspect to it, which makes total sense. Meanwhile, uh, Connie tries to mend some fences with her daughter, but Allison is just Hilda Craning pretty badly at this point. She is in the midst of her New York lifestyle. She's just like, Mom, I don't need this shit. I'm doing my own thing, but I'm making it, and that's all you need to know. So we go to the trial. Brother Joey testifies. He's cross-examined by the prosecution who's played by a guy called Lauren Green, a.k.a. Uh, oh, yeah. Not important. Ben Cartwright from television's Bonanza. Yeah. Who 
<laughs> Wasn't he also in a space thing much later on? Oh, quite probably, I would say. Seems the type. Very stern, mm. uh, older gentleman with uh, great white hair, slicked back, big old mustache and everything, great voice. Lauren Green. And, of course, he is uh, you know, defending Lucas because he's got a right to pick a little fight. Bonanza. That's the Bonanza theme song for you. Anyway, the whole cast at this point files up through. Again, these movies are all the fucking same. Every, you know, it's like a bring, bring them out for one more bow. You I know, like, like it's a good um, tool or technique to bring everyone together and like do the judgment scene. Exactly. Like, of all yeah. the things that have happened in you, your movie. You could artfully this do this point, yeah. in the narrative or, or just do a. Oh, Catherine's got space news. Battlestar Galactica. Oh. I flipping nice knew it. Call. I flipping knew it. Was he a captain? Oh, yeah, I, th- I think he was like the leader. Okay, of course he was. Fucking Lauren Green. His, his, his whole vibe is authority. And yeah, so we get everybody. We get their side of the story. And Connie just can't figure it out. She's like, "Why? There's some something's missing here. Why would Nellie kill herself? There's just something." You know, and this is a valid point that she's bringing up. Like, there is something more. And so, finally, Doc Swain rises to the occasion, mm. takes and the he, stand. Like, tells him to fuck off. He's like, here's the deal. I can't sit on my hands anymore and try to be Mr. Nice Guy to all you bitches here. So, this is the deal. This guy was an asshole. He was a drunk. He was an abuser to his wife and his children. And he raped his daughter and impregnated her. I know all about this stuff. And and Lauren Green's like, now, wait a minute. This is all he objects really heavily, as you would. I get it. And I think he's pretty sure that like, all right, this is nonsense. We're going to strike this from the record. But little does he know that Doc Swain has in his pocket the very confession that he got Lucas to sign before he was ridden out of town on the rails. And that just kind of clears, clears the air for everybody. He also had the judge on his side who was like, you better shut up until he finishes his testimony. I will decide what's stricken from (laughs) the record and what's not. Yes. Let me listen to it first. Motherfucker. And she is found not guilty. And at the end, she and the doctor get a little round of applause from town. After he, I think we talked about it earlier, roasts the town for being a bunch yeah. of like gossipy bitches. Gossip mongers. Yeah, what kind of lifestyle? Everybody, Quite rightly. Our, our young people, and this is the big message, our young people are being so warped and sheltered and protected and hidden away from the realities of adulthood and the real world. And they end up just leaving this place, leaving it to sort of fester in its own stew of awfulness that just perpetuates them. The cycle mm-hmm. continues, they leave. So anybody good that we raise in this society is not to be found and yeah. will not be contributing to it. So think about that, everybody. Yeah. And they apparently do. Mm. And all's well that ends well. And this has been Peyton Place. Oops. So final thoughts. Let me ask you the, the ultimate question. Catherine Sherlock, mm. Peyton Place. Do we keep watching this? I think so. Okay. Any particular reason? Well, I, I think uh, all of the underbelly points are still very relevant today. Yeah. And and just to go back to my one-line review of the uh, great American fiction. Yes. I mean, you know, it's all there. You know, uh, I mean. <laughs> yeah. This crap's been going on forever. I mean, you're absolutely deluding yourself mm-hmm. if you think you're going to wind back the clock and everything's going to be squeaky 
Please. Right. And, and I'm sure, it, you know, if, if this continued and you guys, I got a little surprise for you, but there's a sequel movie mm. called Return to Peyton Place. That we will be watching at some point. Wow. But I have to imagine that we will be trying to turn back the clock to pre-war times or something like that. You know, that would be one of the cycles of, uh, you know, uh, harkening back to a simpler time or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, the complications of the war will instigate that. But Shrishman Ike, final question. Peyton Place, your favorite movie. Do we keep watching this? You know... <laughs> Uh, I'm torn because knowing what I know now about, I, I really wish instead of the movie, we can like highlight the book again, mm. maybe remake the book, a remake, a remake oh. with the original yeah. content. Reboot it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would watch it. HBO. Are you can I, I just <laughs> wanted to read a yeah, description yeah, of this series. Lady. Ooh. Because she, I could uh, relate to her. Okay. Cause she says, Grace swore a lot um, and drank a lot. And had a lot of guys around her. She got married and divorced and had affairs. And she talked about sex and she talked about real life and she didn't filter it. I didn't know any other woman who was like that in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And so I just, something about this woman has caught hold to, on to me. And I feel like we need to... This is very interesting. To be celebrated. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I want to get yeah. a, like a framed portrait yeah. for you for to, to hang. No, but like, like, you know, like such voices are not like they were like you know, shut down or, yeah, you know, never heard of this lost, yeah. in, lost in time. Yeah. So maybe if we, you know, we reread, like brought the book back into prominence. So if we treat her work with more respect, right. maybe, maybe yeah. stick more to what exactly. she actually wrote. And she apparently disapproved of this movie completely. Oh, okay. Because okay. it was watered down. Because it was so watered down. Interesting. Okay. So you, you think we continue with the story, right. but maybe we reboot the movie. Right. This is a first. I don't think and give really and this give this woman before. her flowers that she deserves. And yeah, okay, okay. Let's tell the world. Not about Jerry Wald's Peyton Place, but Grace, yeah, no shit. What's up with that, Jerry Grace Wald? Grace Milatosius. Oh, that's just I, I think that's I such classic. Butchered her name. Classic patriarchy. Jerry Wald's version of some right. lady's book. Right. Peyton Place. Sanitized for your protection. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now with less. Hardness. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn Nowros. Peyton yes. Place. We keep watching this? Hell yeah. Yeah, you like it. I I am gonna probably watch it again and okay. I want the remake and I wanna read the book. And I think that there was also a soap opera. Yeah, there was yeah, a serious yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, I am all about the small town big drama. Okay, great. Yeah. And for me, I I really haven't thought about it until we've been talking about it. But I, I'm also going to say it's a yes for me, dog. And I think yeah, kind of same thing. Everybody's already said. Now I do feel Shrishma, you've given me Somebody pause here. Yes, because. Mm-hmm. I agree with your take as well, but I do feel like my my viewing of this movie, and I've seen it a few times. I was actually kind of dreading rewatching it. Mm-hmm. I delayed until you know late last night. I spent some time watching some Metallica videos before actually <laughs> the time designated to watch this movie and take pictures. But uh, I did get back to it, and I was surprised at how quickly it moved along. My memory was that like this is a long one. This one's kind of I don't know how they're going to take this, but I'm so very pleased that you all were somewhat engaged with it at the very least. And I think it's very earnest. 
Yeah. It's not diverse. You know, we're not seeing any kind of diversity or anything like that. No. We're seeing we're definitely seeing archaic worldviews on sex and society and all this, but that's also kind of the point. Right. And I think the Perhaps the author's message does live there. It's just buried under a lot of the other the nonsense. But yes, yeah, exactly. But there is some progressive thought here in wanting to be open about humans and their urges and desires that are just part of humanity. So, guys, let's talk about next week's episode. Mm. So, we've looked at the women of the times with Hilda Crane. We've looked at the men of the times with the man in the gray flannel suit. We've looked at the kids of the times with Peyton Place. Let's continue with the kids, though. Let's look at women in particular. This is a female-focused show, right? Mm-hmm. You all are basically running this. It doesn't have to be. I just mm-hmm. plug in the shit, and you know, we and here we go. Again, we can overthrow the patriarchy. Whenever you're ready, mm-hmm. you can talk amongst yourselves. But let's continue with the ladies. Let's see the progress of a woman mm-hmm. as she ages in this time. Okay, so next... Time. We're going to be talking about 1960s, where the boys are. Mm, Star- <laughs> Starring our beloved. Yo mama. Call your mother. I'm going to call her this weekend. Okay. Paul Apprentice. Paul Apprentice. Oh, it's man. the Prentissance. The Prentissance returns. Nice. Excellent. Where the boys are. More of those legs. Okay. Oh, so yeah. let's talk about. Four very different college girls. So we've been in high school now. Mm-hmm. Four very different college girls drive to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for spring break and seek out various adventures and romance for themselves. Starring Dolores Hart, George Hamilton, and Yvette Mimeo. So, George and also <laughs> Paul Apprentice. But anyway, that is next time on Old Movie Time Machine. And with that, you guys, it's in the books. We did it. Peyton Place, we will return. Peyton Place will return and return to Peyton Place sometime in the future. Yes. And so concludes yet another blistering episode of Old Movie Time Machine. If you enjoy what you just heard, I've got great news for you because the episode that you just listened to, it's actually more than twice the length that you just heard right there. That's right. We talked about Peyton Place for like two hours and 20 minutes, something insane like that. So if if you were coming to Peyton Place, the episode, to hear all of the dirty details about Peyton Place, the movie, then I have great news for you. It's available for you in total, uncut, the complete edition, over two hours of quality Peyton Place content, It's ready for you, and it's at our Patreon. We call it the Boom Room. The link is in the show notes. The show notes are the words attached to this file you're listening to. Open up your phone or mobile device or your car. Uh, Just be careful doing that. And you can find the link to the Boom Room. And for $2 a month, you can get access to double-length episodes. More than double-length most of the time, actually. And we would like to hear what you have to say about Peyton Place, about the program, about our incredible panel of international experts. If you have any questions, lob them our way. The email is partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. We would love to hear from you. And as for next week, we will be discussing 1960s Where the Boys Are. That's right. The Prentissance continues. Paula Prentice's debut film, Where the Boys Are, coming next week. And if you would like to watch this film before we discuss it, it's available for 
purchase or for rental on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, DirecTV, or Google Play. And if you want to stream it, it is available on HBO Max and something called Plex. So go Plex yourself where the boys are. We will see you back here on Wednesday when the new episode drops. And until then, this has been Old Movie Time Machine.